is the new age of orange. Like, we're going to go exactly through what that population of veterans went through and their families, so we better, we better do something. <laughs> As soldiers returned from Iraq and Afghanistan, many began a second battle for their lives. Today, we'll talk to Rosie and Leroy Torres about the health repercussions Leroy and other veterans faced from burn pits on U.S. military bases in Iraq and Afghanistan. You're listening to Texas Tells. I'm Tori Summerman. When Leroy Torres first arrived on the Balad military base in Iraq, he said he immediately noticed the smell. I remember step, uh, stepping off you know, the bus and they, they brought us in. Uh, there in Iraq, and uh, there was a stench, but it was really nasty. Uh, I can say the, the smell was almost like burning rubber and uh, plastic. It was coming from the base's burn pit, a pile of everything disposed of on a base, including trash, medical waste, chemicals, human waste, paint, metals, munitions, and more, all set ablaze that burned 24 hours a day, every day. You seen a plume of smoke uh, hovering over to... Uh, to our housing area, and uh, little did we know that what we were going to be living next to was uh, pretty much a, uh, a landfill. Soon after arriving in Iraq, Leroy fell ill. I uh, first started uh, having symptoms a uh, month after my arrival there in Iraq and country. Uh, I remember it was right before uh, New Year's Day. Apparently it was December 30th. I recall going to, uh, I had been sick for a few days, and I was advised to go to the clinic, and I was diagnosed with a... Uh, respiratory infection, so they, they uh, put me on quarters for, for 72 hours. Not only did I have the respiratory infection, but I was having the uh, GI issues as well. And that's when I first started having trouble, and then the headaches started coming, and shortness of breath with exertion. Little by little, I started. When Leroy eventually returned home, doctors didn't have the answers for his symptoms. The doctor said that it was, you know, more likely my body was still trying to adjust back from Returning back from Iraq, from they call the Iraqi crud issues with the respiratory system, but uh, and I figured, okay, they put me on a series of antibiotics, and uh, lo and behold, it continued. Pretty much, uh, I would go to the doctor every couple of months. One thing that really alerted me was when uh, I was in a football suit with my job, and I started having chest pains, tightness in my chest, the choice of breath, and that's when I knew there's something wrong because I, I. This wasn't uh, me. I thought I was having a stroke or something. I wasn't sure, but that's when I realized that I had to get checked. And our journey began with looking for answers as to how to get treatment or what was wrong with me because nobody knew what was wrong. Across Iraq and Afghanistan, these open-air burn pits were on bases occupied by an estimated 2.5 million service members, many of whom came home with the same illnesses and lack of answers as Leroy. But Leroy and Rosie Torres decided to do something about it and started the nonprofit Burn Pits 360 for the veterans and their families who were looking for answers. When he came back not able to breathe and we were seeking treatment from DOD and VA and there was just this constant denial of the fact that, that this lung disease existed. I already knew. I worked for the VA for 23 years, so I already knew you know, the red tape, the bureaucracy behind what we were facing. This is the new Agent Orange. Like, we're going to go exactly through what that population of veterans went through and their families, so we better we better do something. <laughs> so we're building this platform, and, and, and the goal is to to equip, equip them um, with the knowledge and the outreach and everything it takes to make that happen so that 
you don't have to wait 20 plus years, right? Um, because people are dying. And it's happening in America's backyard, and we're turning our backs. The organization maintains a registry of veterans who have been affected by burn pits. So far, the registry has around 6,000 entries, 120 of which are what the organization referred to as death entries, submitted by families of deceased veterans who believe that their loved one died as a result of exposure. It's, it's crucial, because if you don't have data, you, nothing can happen. Like, there will be no action taken on behalf of any member of Congress, which, what does that mean in the, at the end result for us is that we end up losing not just our life savings, but, you know, these families are losing their careers. We have those active duty and reservists that are too sick to work. And then the families of the fallen don't have benefits to take care of their children and their families. It's crucial that we, um, on a national and a state level, conduct the outreach and collect the data. While the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs also runs a registry, Rosie says that the department's response to helping veterans affected by burn pits has been slow, and that the agency's national registry is lacking. The national registry, well, for one, includes the Gulf War veterans, which makes it hard to determine from those that were exposed to burn pits and anything post 9-11. Two is, most, most importantly, the, the one issue is that they don't allow a death entry to be self-reported by a family of the fallen. Um, so if someone dies, you don't have option to go in there and, and report that you believe that your loved one has died as a result of the exposure. And thirdly, you don't have the option to update your, your information. So say you come back from, from, from deployment and a year into your, you know, returning to the States, you begin to develop symptoms that may have already been there, but that your body's been fighting. You can go back and update what you entered the first time. So there's all these inaccuracies and, and, and lack of data collection. This past legislative session, the organization supported a bill at the Texas legislature to create a statewide registry of veterans affected by burn pits. Um, so again, you know, there's no way to prove that this is actually a crisis happening um, and that Soldiers can't access specialized health care, and they can't um, access health care benefits after losing everything. So the outreach is so important, and we felt that the state registry would allow us to, you know, conduct that outreach effort on the state level. HB 283, sponsored by State Representative Abel Herrero, unfortunately did not pass after encountering opposition from Texans for lawsuit reform. So it's crucial, right, that, like, people are dying. We get phone calls every other day sometimes of, of a, a, a family member who, who believes that their loved one died as a result of the exposure. So we really felt that Texas was going to set, you know, set that bar high because we do have, you know, the highest population of veterans. But it didn't. Like, we, we, we were really... Uh, surprised and, and just devastated at the same time that that Texas didn't feel that the bill was important enough to provide outreach and services for America's war heroes that are dying. Veterans turning to the courts are facing similar disappointments. Earlier this year, a federal judge unfortunately threw out a class action against Kellogg, Brown, and Root, the Houston-based contractor in charge of the burn pit in Balad. 
I feel that there has to be accountability. So if the Department of Defense and our members of Congress are not going to put pressure on a contractor that was hired and paid billions of dollars to oversee the waste management, if they're not going to put pressure on there being accountability, then they they better step up and, and, and you know, foot the bill to take care of these families. And I feel that these elected officials and these members of Congress, it's their job to get that message to, you know, to our government, um, that it's a moral obligation as Americans to take care of our war heroes. And it's disgusting to me to find out that that there's no oversight, like there's no accountability. It's just kind of like, oh, well, people were exposed to toxic chemicals and we don't really care how you access that specialized health care. And if we're not going to give it, it doesn't matter to us. And it also doesn't matter that, you know, your loved ones are losing their jobs, their marriages, pretty disgusting that 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 didn't go in favor of of those that served our country. But Rosie and Leroy haven't given up. You know, if you, if you if you didn't serve in war, you did serve in war. Regardless, I think as Americans, it's time to hold our elected officials accountable at every level, on a state level, you know, on a national level, and and remind them why they're in their positions that they're in. Like we elected them there, so that means that. When our war heroes come back from war, like I said earlier, it's our obligation to make sure that they're taken care of and their families. No one wants a handout. You know, my husband didn't want to lose his job as a state trooper for 14 years, as a captain in the Army, served 23 years. You know, it's time to tell our members of Congress, let's step up and take care of our war heroes. You can learn more at texaswatch.org and at www.burnpits360.org. That's all we have time for today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Texas Tells. All the music on today's show was performed in-house by Ware Wendell. Texas Tells is a production of Texas Watch. You can learn more at www.texaswatch.org.